Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's time to grab a cup of coffee or tea, sit back and relax, and let's just chat about what is happening up in the stars above for today, tomorrow, and Sunday, the weekend. That means today is Friday. Friday. It's always good to have a Friday. We should have lots of Fridays in a week. <laughs> Don't you think that would be more fun than Monday through Sunday and only one Friday in it? Uh, I don't know. Good morning to those of you who are checking in already. And as well, did you guys get to see the sky this morning? Oh my gosh, it was so beautiful. It was amazing because I had kind of set a little reminder uh, just in my mind, um, asking sort of my guides to uh, wake me up in the right timing, right? So I could view this. And praying that, you know, the clouds that come in at night didn't, and they didn't. So it was pretty fabulous. So I woke up, it was like three something. And, you know, this far north, we start getting light at about 3.30 to 4. It starts to get that twilight look, dawn look, right, just before the sun comes up. And I looked out my bedroom window. I didn't even have to go outside. So just outside my bedroom window, I could see Saturn furthest out and then Jupiter and then Mars. And it's funny how much brighter Jupiter is than Mars and Mars is closer to the earth. So it's kind of odd the way that that works out. And then I waited for a little bit because I didn't see the moon and I was waiting to see the moon and then Venus and uh, Mercury. And uh, so I laid back down, I fell asleep, I woke back up with a start and went, oh, no, I got to look back out, there was the crescent moon. And I couldn't see Venus yet. And I suspected it was because she's closer to the sun right now. And so is Mercury. So I was I waited for a little while staring out the window and eventually Merc or, uh, Venus pops out. And once I saw Venus, then I could find Mercury. So I got to see all those planets. It was gorgeous. And then when I actually woke up to get up this morning, uh, there were clouds. So it might have been harder to see if I'd waited. So I'm so glad I got to see that. It's just sometimes nice to actually visualize uh, from the sky's perspective, you know, from the, well, from our earthly perspective to the sky about some of the astrology things that we're always talking about. So we talk about planets and how they're interacting with one another or their relationship. And when we look at the sky, of course, we can visually connect to what that relationship is all about. So we have this long tail of planets, five of them that are all there. That doesn't happen again until 2040, 2040. So it is literally a once in a decades or so thing for us to visualize, right? To get out there and see it. Now, I don't think, now tonight, likely the moon will have moved, so it won't be as, um, dramatic, but you could still get a visual of, of Mercury, Venus, and Mars, and then Jupiter and Saturn. So you could still get out there and take a look. This is happening in the early morning sky. So between three and four-ish, uh, because by five o'clock, at least here, the sun is coming up. So it's, it's, I lost sight of Venus and uh, uh, Mercury for sure, even though I could still see the moon out there. Anyway, so go out and enjoy. Uh, let's see. Good morning to, let's see, we have Susie Gemini. Good morning, everyone. Christine Buckingham. Hello to you. And M Mani Aurora. Good to see you out there. And 
uh, I'm not sure if you're he or she, Mani, maybe I'm Manisha. So you must be a woman. I love Nightish, but he leave me alone. How he come back. I don't know what you're talking about or what that question is. Maybe you can reword it a little bit for me. Susie Gemini, I looked, uh, I could only see the moon and Venus. Oh, light pollution. Of course, I live out in the darkish area. You should have been able to see Jupiter though. Jupiter's pretty darn bright. And what I had the more difficult time seeing was Mars and Saturn. So Saturn is uh, the furthest east furthest west excuse me of the planets and he is sort of a goldish color um jupiter's just bright in fact at first i thought i was looking at venus and not jupiter but it's jupiter and then mars of course red but still a little faint and then the moon of course crescent uh the other two were just bright and shiny uh, mercury harder to see because he's closer to the sun and the glare of the sun kind of obliterates the view of Mercury for us sometimes. When Mercury is setting, you know, in the setting uh, in the Western sky, sometimes we get a better view of, of him. And that's because, I don't know, maybe the optics of the setting sun are different than the optics of the rising sun. Um, uh, maybe it wasn't Venus, I'm not sure. <laughs> happy Friday to you as well, Coachella and Erica Dorsey. Good morning and happy Friday. And Sandra, Gene Boyd, it is 5 a.m. here in Honolulu and the sky is still dark. Go out and see if you can see it, Sandra. I woke up at 333 and couldn't go back to sleep. So here I am finally catching you live. Whoop, whoop. Thank you for everything and for sharing such sweet love forever, sweetest one. That is really sweet of you, Sandra. And uh, I'm sure there are a lot of us envious of you living in the tropical paradise that is Hawaii. Uh, good morning, Michelle Gay. And good morning to... Um, I can't see who that is, but that's all right. Um, and Susie Gemini says maybe it was Jupiter. It could have been Jupiter that you saw. I don't know. I don't know. But the sky was beautiful here in the Pacific Northwest for once. So I was really thrilled that I got to see it, actually see it. Now, as far as the astrology of it, we've been living this astrology, right, for the longest time as all the planets are sort of lined up, right? They're in a line. If you look at the chart, look at them all. <laughs> they're all sort of you know lined up and going around the chart but then leaving a good chunk of the chart empty so and and this particular chart has a whole other bunch of bodies in it than just the the planets we were talking about but that's been an energy that we've been dealing with right we are learning about some of the key themes when planets align like that and that's cooperation and it is how do we work together? How do we uh, kind of find a teamwork or a, a sort of, of of synarchy, according to the Gene Keys in, in Richard Rudd's estimation, our new way of being in the future will be about synarchy. So there won't be this hierarchy kind of or hierarchical structure. It will be more I always imagine it when I hear him talking about it as like the Knights of the Round Table, right? Camelot kind of thing where everybody has a voice. We may have a president or you may have a leader, but that leader is open to hearing the input of everyone and not necessarily pulling rank and making his or her decision the only, the primary decision. So it's a, it's a theme that we're working toward and these planets are kind of setting us up to move in that direction. 
you know, it's not only the, so what we were seeing in the sky is all of the inner planets, right? Mercury, Venus, the moon, Mars, the sun, even though we didn't see it until it actually rose, is there, right? That we certainly saw the light of it. Uh, and then Jupiter and Saturn, the transpersonal planets. But then when we look at the outer planets, which are Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, we can see how they are also in this kind of train of energy that has been moving through. The exception being kind of Pluto as a bit of an outlier, uh, but not by far, right? So we have, in fact, the only thing really in this chart holding, so let me see if I can show you this chart a little bit more. There we go. So if you look and you see all of those planets on the one side, well, there's really nothing on the other side holding the balance. The closest thing holding the balance is going to be the south node, right? Everything else is just kind of minor planets, uh, a lunar eclipse from, from the, the last lunar eclipse we had, the galactic center, not really a place where it can hold steady energy. So I think here with the south node, we're looking at all of the agreements, all of the things from the past and deciding whether or not they are worthy of carrying on. Um, I heard this morning that Roe v. Wade was definitely overturned. That was an agreement set up back, I think, in the early, late 70s, mid 70s. And I'm not keen on the idea of that right being taken away, but maybe there's a better way to deal with an unwanted pregnancy that we haven't even thought of yet, right? So it's a possibility that the agreement has outworn its usefulness, and now we have to come up with something different. So things are passing out of our reality, and we're opening up to new things in our reality, and this stream of planets kind of in us, it, it's like a, a choo-choo train kind of thing, and they're all, you know, moving around the chart. Who's pulling the train right now is actually the sun, right? The sun is in the lead and moving all the planets around with it, um, and that's uh, at the caboose, we have Pluto, the transformer, right? So clean, batting cleanup, if you will, is Pluto. So if we just look at it from the symbolic um, mythos of it, it's pretty interesting to think about how all of these planets, all of these things are coming at us for change, being led by the sun, which is the direction that we're here to take, and being closed out by Uranus, or I mean by Pluto, who is the transforming planet, right? The planet of major life cycle changes. So kind of fun. Uh, all right. So uh, anybody else with a new comment? Uh, Sandra Jean Boyd. Oh, our goddess. I see them all. The Crescent Mars. Gee, oh, I love it. Live, right? From a place on the planet that's still in sort of darkness. Thank you for sharing that with us, Sandra. Uh, my daughter's first comment to me was, did you get a picture of it, mom? I'm like, no, I don't. I mean, I would have, I don't even know if I could have gotten a picture of it if I didn't have trees if I was living on the flats somewhere, because it took up such a big part of the sky, right? That like the spread of planets was so wide. And yet, I mean, you could very clearly see each one in the space it was holding. Uh, I'm sure there are people out there though that got good pictures. So just do a Google search for them and you'll find them. Um, Susie, Pluto, outer outlier. Yeah, of course he's the outlier. And not only that, he's the one that's been demoted. 
right? Of all the planets, Pluto has been demoted. So funny thing. Um, Susie Gemini, that's interesting because capital punishment was reversed 18 years ago, last time with this alignment, right? Interesting, right, right, right. Um, and Erica, what all planets are in Aries again? Because I am fired up about structure and communication in my life. All right, so Erica, let's take a look. So right now we have Jupiter at six degrees. Um, God dang, I need new glasses. Six degrees, 52 minutes of Aries. We have uh, Salacia, which is Pluto's, Neptune's wife in mythology. And I don't have much information on her, but she holds sort of the queenship of the oceans, right? So of the deep, the primordial waters. Uh, then we have Chiron in Aries at 16 degrees, 18 minutes or 10 minutes, depending on, you know, which eye I blink. And we have Mars at 22 degrees. And then we have Eris at 24 degrees. So we're about to have a, whew, we're about to have a Mars Eris conjunction. I wonder if that is flashback or blowback from the divine feminine against the masculine patriarchy that has deemed Roe v. Wade um, uh, negligent or uh, non-existent anymore, reversing that. That'll be interesting to see what happens. Do the women get fired up or do the proponents, do the people that feel like uh, rights are being trampled, the right of the woman to, to choose for herself, what she wants to do with her own body. If they get fired up when Mars comes into conjunction with Eris, we're going to see some pretty interesting blowback from the women on the planet or the women in the country. So that'll be interesting to, to pay attention to over the weekend. Um, you know, Mars and Eris, they're kind of compatible. Mars is warrior and so is Eris. Uh, Mars is the masculine warrior and he's in attack position. He's attacking Eris in this case. He's the one just before Eris. He's coming into her realm. He's coming into her territory and he's in rulership here. So what he says, has, what he wants is what has happened. So uh, an attack on Eris, as we all know, led to the Trojan War <laughs> in mythology. Uh, so yeah, we should watch for that. And again, right, this is just um, the sky, you know, as above, so below. And it, it is just a sort of framework for the mythology of the things that we're working out in our dual world, in our, on our world that is based in polarity and duality. So in duality, we have the great masculine and great feminine energies, both of them needing to come in balance because we've had centuries of the masculine energy, the patriarchy, um, being primary, being um, uh, overpowering the divine feminine. And I don't know what the blowback might be here. And uh, who knows, right? Who knows? Just keep watching. And by the way, we can also set the intention for how we want this to play out. We can set the intention for ourselves because we always have the choice, right? Our choice is how do we respond and if you are someone who is pro-choice, right, then then maybe you participate in some way with pro-choice. Or if you're someone who is the other way, uh, pro-life, then you, you participate in that to the extent that it feels good for you. But what we don't do is go out and blame and shame and uh, 
what is that cancel culture kind of stuff now, right? That is so juvenile, so teenager like, right? We have to greet these changes in our world with as much positivity as we can. Because, you know, for one thing, there are a lot of better ways to handle the potential for pregnancy and the outcome of an unwanted pregnancy without resorting to abortion. My sticking thing isn't about abortion or not. It's about the right of the woman to choose. That's the part that gets me. Uh, so anyway, these are big concepts and big things that are going on. And remember, the USA is going through a Pluto return. And all of these things are sort of up for change and transformation. Uh, I don't know how long that is going to be able to stay. But we also had another maybe uh, lesser known Supreme Court ruling this week that allowed Maine uh, uh, church schools to still have access to public funds. And that flies in the face of the Constitution with the separation of church and state. So now we're going to have to, if that's going to hold, and it might, or it, well, it was a Supreme Court ruling. I don't know how we overrule the Supreme Court. I, I might have to research that and see because the Supreme Court seems like it's the final word in the land. Um, but I think that in both of these cases, the Supreme Court has kind of trampled the Constitution. So there might be some ramifications about that. It's just interesting to watch, right? But don't get drawn into the drama of it. Just watch because it's interesting to see how all these, all these planets are lining up, how, uh, you know, the transformative power of the sun leading this train of planets and Pluto holding the caboose end is closing chapters, right? Closing chapters, opening up to a new pathway. <laughs> so even though sometimes it's, difficult because we have so many judgments and so many things that, you know, that come up uh, within us, right? Judgments from religions, uh, judgments from anti-religions, uh, right? It can just blow our minds. So we need to try to stay in the middle ground, right? And, and hold in our, and this would be me saying this, but for you, you can choose for yourself, but I'm going to hold the intention that our constitution will be upheld, right? And that the rights that are being somewhat trampled here will be restored. But I'm going to put out another thing that maybe we need to consider. Maybe, you know, after 248 years, the constitution might need a rework, right? Maybe it needs to be rewritten. Maybe it needs to be updated with values that are more modern, right? So, all of these things I hold possible because it's all about possibilities. And it just looks like right now, like some things are happening that are trampling the constitution. So maybe it's time to rewrite that, make it stronger, make it more modern so that it holds weight when the justices try to go in and make decisions on big things like Roe v. Wade or the case in Maine about uh, funding uh, Christian schools. So lots of stuff that we could talk about that. Uh, but I have other things I want to talk about today. Uh, let's see, uh, Erica, as a Christian, I have a hard time understanding why Christ in Christians who pass judgment. I do too. I, yeah, yeah, it's difficult to understand why, why a God who uh, is supposedly, supposedly based in love would also hold judgment, right? That's a big duality there. Um, uh, 
This could become a slippery slope to eradicate many other rights as well. Indeed, Christine. So these are all things we have to stay aware of, right? And we have to, we can't stay dumbed down and not activated in our choices that we make, right? We all have choices here that we can make. We are all empowered to to do things, right, that are in alignment with our own truth. And even if it's just about not being reactive to something, but finding the more responsible path, response-able, enabled path. So that is just something that each one of us is going to have to do. What I would resist doing is creating hate between groups that are, say, pro-choice versus pro-life or uh, groups that are, you know, any kind of duality. We've got to find the middle road or all of these planets that are giving us these opportunities to heal these wounds within us is all for naught. And I can't believe for one instance that evolution had that in mind going backwards. So instead we're going to move forward. Um, and it's going to take some work. It's just going to take some work. Uh, the Supreme Court just overruled an old 1911 law that gave New York City the right to have more safeguards in place for gun ownership. I saw that. I didn't realize that was such an old law on the books, but isn't that interesting? I want to say that the Supreme Court is uh, kind of, it's gone too far into legislative territory. And that is something else we need to look at because we very definitely had the concept of the separation of state, right? Separation of the powers. So there was the executive power, the legislative power, and the judicial. And I feel like the judicial branch is kind of moving into legislative branch. But I also saw that the executive branch was moving into judicial branch. So they're crossing lines um, that I think is uh, a, a not such a good thing to uh, watch happening. And no matter what side of the deal you come on to, you have to be a little bit concerned when you see a court doing the things that they're doing that seem to undermine the constitution. So anyway, uh, all right, Susie, I don't want to tell anyone what to do ever. Uh, Susie, indeed. So you know what I kept thinking about this whole thing? And, and Christine, you even brought it up there too about the Handmaid's Tale. Handma if you haven't seen the Handmaid's Tale, watch it. It'll scare the bejesus out of you because you can see how this country tends, looks like it's moving in that direction. You would think by looking at this, that somebody who wrote this series had some kind of thought, you know, some negative vision of what's potentially on the way for uh, this country. And I don't ever think it would get that, that bad. Um, but it's worth watching to find out what are we what are we watching out for, right? What are we watching out for? All right. So um, Sandra Jean Boyd. Okay, so on a sky map outline, I can see that Venus on the other side of the moon, but there is a high rise in the way. <laughs> oh, darn it. Um, maybe you can go out somewhere where it's flat and see. Um, <laughs> but that's the problem, right? When we have city, when we're in cities, right? The buildings, but where I live, it's all about tall trees, right? So we have all these uh, pines and uh, not pines. What do they call fir and hemlocks and they're tall. <laughs> so they can also obliterate the sky. You have to get away a bit. Uh, Christine Buckingham says Margaret Atwood foresaw things, right? So I think what we're seeing is a 
I want to say it is a duality between conservatism and progressivism. And those two, they're moving in opposite directions. And remember, Saturn is in Aquarius, a sign of progressivism, but Saturn himself is a conservative, right? A conservative as being not a political movement, but just a statement of, you know, values and so forth. So we're seeing the push and the tug and the pull on these things. And we've had them before in history, right? We've had them before. The thing to remember is that Saturn and Jupiter made that conjunction in Aquarius um, on December 21st, 2020, right? So the, the energy for the next 20 years is about shifting more to that progressiveness but can we shift to progressiveness if we're not holding on to values that make sense for this day and age? So maybe that's what's at um, the under uh, seam of all of this. So we shall see. But don't ever forget your choices, right? Your choices. Where do you put your money? What products do you buy? What do you say? What do you do about what you're seeing out there in the world? What are your intentions, right? Intentions. So that's another thing that we're talking about here. Uh, that I'm really excited about talking about to people as I go more into doing soul alignment, realignment work, is that it is all about our, our in joining into the five, five, fifth dimensional reality. And the fifth dimension is a dimension of intention. So what are our intentions, right? If we don't set an intention, then we aren't really moving forward right? And, and there may be people with powerful intentions to take us backwards in time, right? To keep us down or to keep us clouded and dumbed down to what's going on. So we have to be the braver souls and have the intention for us seeing the light, for seeing how we can move our brothers and sisters of the planet into more and more light. That's why we came here at this point in time, right? We're holding this light. And I see it in the soul realignment every time I do one. It's so amazing to see the choices that we have made in other lifetimes or even in this lifetime that have created a pull away from our divine light. And uh, now we're able to course correct this, use the power of the fifth dimensional uh, energy of intention and create anew. That's how we become co-creators, right? So that's our choice. That's what we get to do. Uh, Erica, I feel that the archaic idea of the church and their roles with man and woman are missing the mark uh, in deeply spiritual connection and in the divine masculine and divine feminism. I think you're right. I think there's a, a bigger conversation around that. Uh, Sandra Jean Boyd, Handmaid's Tale, my favorite series ever. I was so afraid to watch it till the third season. And now I have watched all two times and can hardly wait till the next season. I think the next season comes out in September. Um, Susie Gemini, beautifully stated Erica. And yeah, I think we're, we, we're all in the know, right? What I like about this is that we are living astrology right now. We are living the cycles of time that are characterized by the planets. But in times past, we weren't as aware of our choices in creating or impacting the future. And right now, what we should really be aware of is the fact that we have a lot of power to impact the future through our co-creative abilities, right? So what do we want? What do you want? 
Do you want a future where women aren't honored or where they're made slaves or where they're, you know, denigrated in some way or choices taken away from them? Or do you want to live in a world where, and, and it's not just women, think about, you know, the races, right? We have, we still have this divide there. So if we're going to live intentionally, then what we want to do is intend that everyone has an equal voice, that everyone has equal opportunities, equal choices, right? So that's how we move through these next years. If this does get easier over time, right? This does get easier. Right now, it's really high energy and it's really in our faces and the results of the choices we've made are also in our faces. So there's that. Okay, so let's move on to something else, shall we? Uh, today, I wanted to talk a little bit about the moon, moon in Taurus right now, right? Taurus, um, it goes into the void tomorrow from 12 noon, and this is Pacific Coast time. So 12 noon, 12.03 p.m. to 4.14 p.m. So a very short, like four hour void. That's going to be perfect for me. I'm going away for the weekend. I'm going to see Matt Frazier who is a psychic medium and uh, my daughters and my friend Londa and I, we are all leaving tonight to go there. And I'm so excited because I, we've set the intention back when we bought the tickets that our loved, our, our deceased loved ones would come through. So I'm really looking forward to getting messages from uh, Brian and um, who of course is, it's almost been one year since he passed away and it's just exciting to think about, you know, the energy of that void coming before we actually go into the um, the actual uh, event that happens when the moon is in Gemini. So communication, messages, right? Knowledge coming, passing from one realm into the other. Woo! I couldn't have planned it better if I tried. And I wonder if, if Matt in some way um, knows astrology enough to have planned to do his event uh, at that time. So uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about Taurus light first, what's going on with Taurus, because the, 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 the sign of Taurus is the moon's favorite sign. In astrology, we say the moon is exalted in Taurus. And it's because it is an emotionally feel good sign. Um, it's nourishing. We have, we get care for one another, we get nurtured. Uh, we get pampered, it's sensual, and all of that leads to really a good feeling energy. So the moon that thrives with that kind of emotional security and stability does very well when it's in Taurus. Uh, there's mental, emotional, and physical stability in the sign of Taurus, and that's appealing to the moon as well. And pleasurable experiences abound. Um, life is full of pleasures and beauty and I'm here to enjoy it could be one of the mantras that comes up from the moon's light in Taurus. But as we also have the shadow in Taurus, what might that lead to? Stubbornness, unyielding attitudes, inflexibility, um, materialistic energy or greed, but also decreased self-worth or self-confidence or decreased self-esteem, not being aligned with our values and having a survival mindset. So Taurus being the first earth sign is really concerned with uh, ideals like security and stability and a foundation that's built for that security. So survival mindset, meaning we might do choose things from fear instead of from love. 
And of course, it can also have uh, money is all that matters kind of attitude. So that would be the, the more shadowy aspects of Taurus. Now, because for the weekend, we're also going to have Gemini energy. Gemini's light is curiosity, possibilities thinking. It is a sharp mind, sharp wit, knowledgeable, loves knowledge, as a matter of fact, is communicative, is flexible and fun loving. So where we have Taurus as, as a less flexible sign because of its nature, its earth and energy, we have the following sign, right? So this is, these are neighboring signs. So we get to see how does cooperation play out? So if we look at the energy of of the negative Taurus, which is inflexible, and the positive of that, which is stability, then we move into another sign who is flexible, but possibly scattered or unfocused. So when we have these neighboring signs, those two energies have to somehow be, they have to use their, their lights to cooperate, right, to be cooperative. So we can see that at work with just the moon in uh, this weekend. Um, there's also a quick and energetic sort of uh, feel when the moon is in Gemini and it's an I want to know everything and share it with the world kind of experience. The moon in Gemini's shadow, though, could be about empty words or empty knowledge, right? Just seeking information for the point of having information, information overload, <laughs> um, inconsistency, or restlessness and nervousness, which comes up often with the moon in Gemini. So remember, the moon is exalted in Taurus because it loves that emotional, physical, uh, and mental stability. Well, when you have the moon in Gemini, the possibility is there isn't that kind of stability. So it makes the moon a little nervous and it gets a little bit excitable, gets a little bit restless because it's not sure, like, is this sign, is this energy of Gemini going to change its mind and move off in a new direction and upset the apple cart or make things more in, unstable? Uh, but there's also a feel of the moon here is unfocused and ungrounded if it's in the negative and scattered, right? Focusing, trying to focus on too many things and the mind going 100 miles an hour in 50 different directions. Um, so the Gemini shadow uh, negative statement might be something like words are there to serve me instead, which is sort of kind of the meaning of playing word with words, you know, kind of um, using words as weapons, even instead of using words in their best and highest manner. So there's that. That's our weekend as far as the moon is concerned. Um, then the other thing I wanted to talk about today is the human design, astro design of the new week in our human design charts. What we have is the sun moving to the gate 52 and earth moving to the gate 58. So hold on while I get the, I want to get the uh, chart up uh, so I can share my screen. Did I name it the sun? That would be funny if I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, all right. So let me share my screen now. Nope, I don't have slides. Why did I click that? Here we go. So what you guys should be seeing is the chart, the human design chart or astro design chart. I love this chart because it has, it has both the astrology of the day 
um, or and as well the or the gates and the gates. And it also has the I Ching. I always forget to mention that these little symbols here are the representation of the gate as far as the I Ching is concerned. So what we have coming up this weekend, let me see if I can make the screen a little bit bigger, is that we have the moon and the sun both residing in the root center. And the root center is a center for endurance, for perseverance. It is about um, the stress or pressure to move outward into the world, right? So we take the energies of the roots, if the, the gates that move upward pressure us to do something, to move it to the sacral, the gates on the left uh, push us or pressure us to survive or thrive or succeed. And the pressure on the other side goes off to the emotional center. So here we are being pressured to use our emotions in a way that's positive, right? To be emotionally intelligent. So the root center itself is a very powerful center. And in its endurance, it can create a sense of always wanting to do or have to be in the process of doing something. So it values action. But yet, one of the gates on the root center is where the sun is sitting this week is called the gate of stillness. And it has an energy around it um, that might feel very difficult for us if we're buying into pressure to do something. So the gate of stillness itself is about waiting for the right timing to take action, stopping, right? Stopping yourself, taking stock of, well, what is the world showing me? What is, uh, what's my inner guidance telling me? Right. So if we're always busy, busy, busy trying to do and do more and do more, then we're, we might miss the signals because we didn't take the time to be still, to be quiet. Right. So this is in the traditional human design called the gate of stillness. In I Ching, this is called the gate of uh, keeping still mountain. The I Ching hexagram, excuse me, is called keeping still mountain. So it has this sort of picture um, this connection to stillness, just being, beingness, right? So the sun <laughs> planting itself there in, in the, this particular week is putting it in an opposition to where it is at Christmas time, right? Christmas time, the earth is in the gate 52, but here at the end of June, it is the sun that is at the gate 52. I think we have an easier time of it when the sun is there or when the earth is there at Christmas time because it's colder, at least in the northern hemisphere, and it's Christmas. So we're doing more internal searching. We, you know, it just connotes more of that more contemplative energy. <laughs> but in the summertime, this might be very difficult for us to slow down. And so this week, which actually begins tomorrow, it's uh, the 25th through the 30th. So right up till the end of the month. Um, takes us into being still, um, waiting for the right timing to make a decision or to concentrate our energy on something. And sometimes the sun sitting at this gate, especially the sun, can make us feel a little like we have ADD uh, or ADHD, right? Like there's so much to be done or so many things we want to do or so much we could do. And we we feel the pressure because it's the root center, we feel the pressure to go out and do. But 
we may be leaping out and leaping into new opportunities and so forth in the complete and awful right wrong timing. So we want to wait. So we have perfect timing, right? The right timing. Um, and sometimes with this gate, we have to wait for the bigger perspective to be shown to us, the bigger picture, the purpose behind something, the purpose behind the action. And that might require us to pause, right? To wait. And once we get then the answer to that question, what is going on here, then we can take steps, right? Then we can take action. And a lot of this has to do with what type you are as well, right? If you're a generator or manifesting generator type, you are here to respond to what shows up in your outer world, but not to feel the pressure from an inner inkling that I should do, or I could do, or I want to do. And so I'm just going to do without something outside of me that matches the picture of what I want to do inside of me, right? Does that make sense? If you have a question, you can always put that in the chat and I'll go back to that screen. Um, the unbalanced expression here or the shadow expression here is really stress. In the gene keys, stress is the lowest, um, the, the shadow energy, and it's about attention deficit, right? It's really about letting overwhelm, what direction do I go? What do I do? Paralyze you or cause you to fail to act or to act without waiting, kind of both can happen. So having to wait, is about gathering your forces around you, getting clarity about what next steps need to take place based on your type. By the way, if you're a projector, you're waiting for an invitation, right? Somebody pulling you into a conversation or pulling you into uh, something to do. A manifester, of course, you're creating based on your divine will or on your emotional input and or maybe even, you know, something coming from, um, well, it would have to be divine will or divine emotion that is leading you to do something. If you're a reflector, of course, you're used to waiting because your, your general way of making decisions is to wait for a full cycle of the moon. So waiting is the name of the game here. I think it's probably hardest for projectors because they want to do and for manifesting generators because they can handle multiple things and then generators because aren't I here to do something <laughs> could be the thing that's going on in the head. Um, and when we look at the earth, now the earth is the interesting one, I think for this week, because it is sitting at what is called the gate of joy. And so here we have the pressure of the 52 from the sun that's pushing up to the sacral, but we have this energy of joy, the gate 58 that's pushing to the spleen for us to express as thriving energy or as success in our world. And I always think it's interesting to find that joy is not on the emotional center. It doesn't sit over here in the solar plexus. It sits here on the root center, meaning it's a foundational energy. It's a foundation energy. And in a way, in the, in the I Ching, this is just purely named joy. In traditional human design, it was called the joy of living or joy of life. And in Karen's uh, Karen Curry Parker's quantum human design, it has been renamed to the joy of mastery. And, you know, I often question what is about what is the potential here for joy in expressing mastery, right? What is that about? Well, this gate moves over to the 18, right, which is a gate that is about kind of judging ourselves or judging others. And it is an alignment energy. 
So primarily what we see with the 58 is where it is that we might be out of alignment with what's joyful, what the joyful expression is for ourselves in our lives. And then the potential is to start to realign, although we often get into a search for perfectionism because the other gate is causing us to look and see that, you know, we're out of, we're out of sync, we're not perfect. And then we keep trying and trying and trying to be perfect rather than seeing that mastery and joy is always happening in the now. The spleen can only work with the energy of now. It doesn't have a future orientation. It doesn't have a past orientation. It has fears around the future and fears around the past, but it lives in the now. So in this now, how can I create something that's going to feel joyful, right? That's what the earth is doing. And the earth is the part that challenges us to move, right? So it challenges us to see things from a different perspective. So I think the earth here in the, the joy might be in the waiting for the right moment, for the right opportunity and the right people to then take action on. And note that the 52 is a cancer gate, right? So the 52 where the sun is cancer, we know the sun is in cancer. And of course, then the earth being in the opposite gate is a Capricorn gate. So isn't it interesting too, that joy is a Capricorn energy? that Capricorn we usually think of as all business, right? Reputation oriented, Saturn ruled, so maybe stern and, you know, all business and business-like. Um, but joy lives in Capricorn and also then uh, in human design is on the root center, the center for evolution, the center for our enduring and and thriving and flourishing as opposed to just merely surviving. So cool to look at that. Um, I just finished the screen. Okay, great. So now any questions about that? Anybody? Um, nope, no questions on that. But if you have questions, go ahead and put those in there. Um, but I thought I would go back to something today that I haven't done in a while. And some of you who have been with me forever uh, know that I used to share Wisdom Keepers Inner Guidebook the inner, the, the cards called the wisdom cards there by uh, Rosie Aronson. And it's called the wisdom keepers inner guidebook, 64 faces of awakening, but it's really a deck of cards, right? A deck of cards. And here we have, um, so she bases this pretty much in gene keys and human design, right? But she puts her own little rosy spin on it. And it really always feels good to kind of read the stories. And I forget that we have this. So here's our face for uh, the gate 52 where the sun is. And you can see the gift in the gate 52 or in the gene key 52 is restraint. So let's see what the soul story is here. Uh, it says the more selfless your intention, the more power it will have. The gift here is restraint. The shadow is uh, stress. And the city, the highest expression is stillness. And here's the wisdom story. As a young farm boy, I dreamed of a bigger life. I was a ravenous reader and it didn't take long before I started writing myself. By some stroke of luck in my early 20s, I wrote a fast paced historical fiction novel that was discovered by a major publisher and raced straight to the top of the bestseller list. As soon as I received my first royalty check, I moved to the big city where I was invited into a hip workplace full of cutting edge writers. It was in that bustling space that I wrote my second novel. To, to my dismay, it was a flop. 
My fans complained, my best critics wrote hurtful reviews, and my publishers threatened to pull my next contract unless I could guarantee another hit. As I faced my next project, I was paralyzed with fear. My hip workplace place suddenly felt chaotic and noisy. Stressed out and stuck, I spent hours staring at a blank screen, my mind racing with loads of self-doubt and no inspiration. I got so desperate, I started reading books about how to write bestsellers. <laughs> Though I tried to follow the templates, nothing worked. My restlessness grew to the point where I couldn't sit still. Finally, exploding from the pressure, I kicked my desk, abandoned the building and my contract. I took the first flight out and ended up on a small island where I rented a tiny house in the country and spent months burning out, burned out and depressed. At one point, I started gardening for weeks. My hands were deep in the earth and my mind's only concern was how to make plants grow. As my body and soul adjusted to a slower paced life, I learned that while I could enhance a plant's growth with gardening uh, techniques, most of the time plants knew perfectly well how to grow. They had their own timing. I also noticed that when I was in a good mood while planting seeds, the plants seemed to do better. Such small realizations reawakened the philosopher and writer in me. This time, I was inspired to write poems, each word like a flower. When I felt strong enough to go back to the big city and clean up my mess, I realized that the stress I'd felt there wasn't just mine, it was everywhere and everyone's. My heart went out to humanity, and I knew my next book would illuminate the impact of stress on all of us. My writing would serve the planet. This time, I trusted the right words, and all of the inspiration I'd need would come at just the right time. My gift to you, I come to relieve you of your stress and to remind you that everything in nature, including you, has its own timing and growth pattern. Your intentions are like seeds. If you start something from a place of fear, the seed of fear will permeate the entire endeavor. So if you want your dreams to grow and thrive, just hold a clear intention, infuse it with goodwill, and trust that your dreams know just how and when to bloom. This is literally the, he is speaking, or she is speaking through this character, uh, about 5D, about the fifth dimension, dimension of intention. It's time to brief, befriend restraint, practice patience, learn how not to interfere, let your life and dreams unfold without too much pushing or prodding. And remember, more often than not, growth and transformation take place below ground and the greatest seeds take the longest to germinate. Awesome. Now, here are some questions for contemplation. I always suggest you kind of re-listen to this uh, point of the, the broadcast so that you can get these questions if you want to participate. I'll try to read them slow and that way you can maybe jot notes. Uh, the first one, where are you feeling most restless and impatient? Where are you feeling most restless and impatient? The next question, where do you feel most stuck? Where do you feel most stuck? What are the ways you experience and express stress? That's a good question. What are the ways you experience and express stress? Uh, the next one, is your body currently showing signs of burnout? That's, that's always a big one. Is your body currently showing signs of burnout? And then think of a time you practiced restraint and it paid off. 
Think of a time you practiced restraint and it paid off. Reflect upon a current project. How can you re-infuse it with goodwill and a loving intention? And what is a simple way you can reconnect with stillness today? What is a simple way you can reconnect with stillness today? So this is the card restraint. He looks kind of chill, doesn't he? I can't tell what bird that is on his forehead. Kind of looks like, I don't know, maybe a, well, a pheasant would have longer feathers. But anyway, there you have it. So it's kind of fun to read these stories. And I was going to take the time to read the earth one too, if um, you guys are up to that. The earth, look at this one. Doesn't he look like he's just about to go have some fun? And his, it's called Vitality, Joy in uh, the Gift and Vitality, or in the the gift is vitality and joyfulness or bliss in the highest expression. He just looks like he's going to go have some fun. Look at all those turtles on his face. Uh, <laughs> just lots of fun stuff in the symbology here. All right. So this is vitality in the gift and dissatisfaction is the shadow. By the way, this is where the earth is. And Sidhi is bliss. And he says, as soon as I could stand up, I was on a surfboard. As a young boy, all I wanted to do was play in the water and ride the waves. One day while surfing, I experienced a moment of pure bliss. I spent the next 10 years trying to recreate that experience. I worked hard to improve my instincts, stamina, and skills. The stronger I got, the more compelled I felt to improve the world as well. So I dove into self-help philosophy like the ocean swimming from book to book, teacher to teacher, but never finding anything that truly satisfied me. The only truths that really made sense were the ones I learned from surfing. Surfing taught me about healthy and unhealthy fear. It taught me about perfectionism and flexibility. It taught me about joy and freedom. It taught me about being in the now. So I wrote a book about it. And before I knew it, I was on tour, inspiring people all over the country. But still I felt dissatisfied. Teaching and traveling were stressing me out and I wasn't surfing enough. So I booked a trip to a renowned surfing site, determined to unhook from the world and reconnect with my joy. But a wave came in that I wasn't prepared for. The damage to my body from the accident was so great that I was told I might never walk again. It was while lying flat on my back in the hospital for months that my true spiritual path began. At first, my spirit was crushed. But over time, as I accepted that this was my new life, I began to learn at the deepest level that there were no future and there was no future and no past. There was only now. Anytime I fought that truth, I was interfering with life itself. As I surrendered to this truth, I began to experience unexpected moments of bliss, though I had very little to be happy about. Within two years, I was walking. Within two more, I was back on a surfboard. I was so grateful to be there at all that all attachments fell away. It wasn't about the waves, my skill or performance, or even about how great the experience was. It was just about being, a tiny drop in the vast ocean all at once. Today, I bring people of all shapes, ages, and abilities to the ocean to swim with the dolphins. Every day, I witness waves of joy and freedom well up from within them. I do not regret one moment of the painful yet transformative journey that brought me here. My gift to you. I'm here to tell you that it's time to stop fighting your true nature. You were born with life force and vitality within you that must be expressed. You can attempt to interfere with it by trying to recreate it 
or by resisting dissatisfaction. But there's nothing you can do to get rid of this life pulsing within you. So you might as well surrender. Dissatisfaction is a natural part of life. Without, a, without it, none of us would know or none of us would evolve or be motivated to make this world a better place. When you allow life to express itself through you without resistance or judgment, bliss happens naturally. Uh, the future is not in your hands. It does not even exist. All there is, is now. And stop projecting into the future. Let life have its way with you and watch your purpose unfold. Love it. Love it. Love it. So vitality, joy being the city, and great lesson for all of us going into this particular week. Some of the questions for contemplation. I think what I'll do is a blog post for this and then post it in my uh, Living Astrology page and also in the community page. Are you still clinging to the belief that you can and should create a perfect, peaceful future that will last the rest of your life? Are you still trying to recreate an old experience of joy? Are you looking for happiness outside of yourself? How have your unsatisfying experiences contributed to your evolution and growth as a person, to the service you provide? When have you experienced your vitality or a moment of bliss? Make a list of your life's greatest dissatisfactions. How do you try to resolve or avoid these dissatisfactions? For a day or a week, go on a resolution avoidance diet. <laughs> well, we have a week, right? Because the earth will be sitting here from tomorrow until June 30th. So some great stuff. This is, again, Susie Aronson, I mean, uh, Rosie Aronson, the Wisdom Keeper's Inner Guidebook. It comes with the uh, deck of cards that is the wisdom keepers right so it's a deck of cards it's so beautiful i really really love the work she did in this okay so how's everybody doing uh i know i love it don't you uh have a great weekend everybody everybody's checking out and getting ready to leave i guess it is getting close to time um i will be back on monday and we'll take a look at the week ahead we're we're tipping into july as of next week right i can't even believe that um, as well, I want to let people know that remember last year when, before my son died, I was working on a book, uh, a monthly, um, guidebook for living through human design and living through astrology. So it's called astro design, right? L uh, live by astro design. So I'm releasing those chapters month by month for the rest of this year for free, right? So I'm going to be posting them up. So July's will hopefully be up by next week. And well, it'd have to be up by next week. So you know what July is going to bring. It'll be in download format. So all you have to do is download it and it'll go week by week with some things, key things for you to remember uh, or to keep in mind. And it'll be absolutely free. And then August, September, October, November, December will come out, uh, you know, and then next year, hopefully I will have uh, the whole year coming out at the same time. So I just wanted to make you aware of that. And that's it for me today. Uh, you guys have a great weekend. I intend on having a wonderful weekend, a great experience in a new place that I've never been. And that's how I'm going to hold myself for possibilities of endless experiences of fun and joy. Got it. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye for now.